very long time and we are thankful to God for how he has been helping us. This is a special service, so we're taking our time to exalt his name. And uh, I just want to encourage you to remain as patient and as calm as you can be. This is what it's all about. Our total existence is about this day. And as Christians, we must realize that this is why we are Christians in the first place. If the resurrection had not happened, we, have, we would have had no right or no privilege to be calling ourselves Christians. And so we are grateful to God for such awesome power. And on this day, I'm reminded that God has helped me to see so many Easter's. I was reminded of the last song, sing it in a, in a song, in a church, uh, as far back as 1993, leading worship in that church. And um, remembering singing this song from the depth of my heart, and I said to the Lord, Lord, I really want to serve you. I was leading worship myself, but I said, Lord, I really want to serve you. I really want to pant after you. And I'm grateful. I'm very privileged. Many people have fallen by the wayside. 1993 to this time is a fairly long time. We're almost talking 30 years. And, and we've been on before then by the grace of God. Have we been upright and standing and going perfectly all the time? Far from it. In fact, far, far, far from it. But the fact that the enemy never blew us off and blew us off totally <laughs> is something to celebrate. So we are grateful. I am grateful. And I am thankful to God for your life that you are here today to celebrate this great resurrection day. May every true meaning of Easter be ratified in your life. In the name of Jesus. By the grace of God, we are going to, on this Easter day, start a brand new series for this month called eternal life now. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Hallelujah. <laughs> eternal life right now. And um, the, we're going to have it in four parts, as you can see the banner. Eternal life now is the theme. And we're going to have four parts, living by the resurrection power, walking by faith with Jesus, working by faith with Jesus, number three, and then the mystery of Christ's return. We're going to have all those four sessions. Today we are looking at living by the resurrection power. Living by the resurrection power. And I just want to quickly say, you see, eternal life is God's gift to humanity. Eternal life is not just about living forever. It's not just everlasting life in the, in the concept of time. It is God's gift to humanity about his own kind of life extended to mankind. It is a function of knowledge and faith. I'll quickly give us some scriptures I want you to write down. We're not going to turn to it. The, the thing is that in Romans 3.23, the Bible says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is a must. Everyone must understand that we, have all, we were all born into a falling short of the glory of God. But Romans 6.23, the Bible makes us to say, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. All have sinned, they've fallen short of the glory, no doubt. The wages of everyone who sins is to die. But the gift of God is this eternal life which he has given to us 
in his son Jesus Christ. That's why he said, for God so loved the world in John 3, 16, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, should not die that death that is apportioned to as many who have been born into sin, but should have everlasting life or should have eternal life. Jesus now said in John 10, 10, that for this purpose, I am come, even though the enemy has come to steal and to kill and to destroy people in their sinful states, he said, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Abundant life is eternal life. The life beyond life. The life beyond existence. The life beyond the natural. And so what we want to do this month is for us to understand. You see, when Christians live life at the realm of the mortal men, what they are doing is they are shortchanging themselves by living a substandard life. It takes knowledge, it takes faith, it takes understanding to walk in the fullness of eternal life. And so wherever you are in the journey today, whether you are here in the hall or you are under the sound of my voice uh, when you are watching this on internet, I want you to know whether you've not started this journey of eternal life or not, or you have started, whether you have not started or you have started, wherever your journey is, there is a role for you to keep playing in making sure that you are making the most of the eternal life that Jesus Christ came to give to us. Eternal life starts from the point of our salvation and it carries us right through. Eternal life has no end. The truth is that eternal life is not bound by time. God's kind of life. God has the ability to, he doesn't live in time. That is why he created time. He has the ability to come into time and influence time. That is why Jesus Christ came and spent 33 and a half years here. And he was fully God and fully man. He stepped into time and gave us the opportunity to embrace a life that also would allow us to step out of time. Even though we are still in time. All the 33 and a half years Jesus spent here as the Son of Man was to give us a type of the number of years we will spend here as born-again Christians. But the same way he was taken up into heaven, we were told by the angels in Acts chapter 1, verse 11, that this same Jesus that you see taken up, one day he will be returning. He will be coming back. But as many as received him, they begin to live like the Son of God even here or not, even though they are still son of men. John 1, 12 says, For as many that received him, he gave them power to be called the sons of God. So every one of us must understand this. John chapter 17, verse 3. He said, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life starts with the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and accepting him as Lord and Savior. This is eternal life. It's not a suggestion. This is eternal life. It's not an option. It's not one way. This is not one of the ways. This is the only way. This is eternal life. Every knowledge of God, the true God, and Jesus Christ, his son, whom he had sent, gives us and the acceptance of the death and the resurrection that he has gone through for us, taking care of our sins, that is taking us and delivering us from the wages of sin, is eternal life. And so this month, we're going to spend four weeks, four Sundays, and the, and the week 
that they that are, 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 are attached to those Sundays to look at some components of his eternal life that every believer must have. The first one is that everyone who has received this eternal life must live by the resurrection power. This is why we are doing that today and this week. They must live by the resurrection power. And I'm going to take some time to explain what that means today. You see, because many people think that eternal life is about accepting Jesus and waiting to die to go to heaven and just living life and waiting to die to go to heaven or waiting for the rapture, whatever, whichever one comes first. But it is beyond that. There is a life that you are living here given to you by God for a purpose. Even Jesus, when he came, the Bible says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifested. He had a purpose. God anointed him and he went about doing. He had a purpose. Every one of us who come into Christ, the Bible says when we are a new creation, all things have passed away and all things have become new. And God has now called us into a purpose, which is called the ministry of reconciliation. So the first thing, note that down, is that we must know how to live by the resurrection power. The number two thing is that we must know how to walk with Jesus. Walking with the word by faith. Walking with Jesus. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. A person who has embraced this eternal life must know how to walk with Jesus, the word of God, by faith. Your life is no longer your own. You now walk with Jesus. You move as he moves. You, responds as he, you respond as he responds. You speak as he speaks. You keep quiet as he commands. You fellowship as he commands. You pray as he commands. You do things. You walk with him. And then we also need to understand the place. As we are walking with him, we are learning of him, and then we are working, number three. We work with him. That will be our third session. Working with Jesus by faith. The Bible says we are co-laborers with him. Every one of us must understand that the purpose for which he called us into this eternal life is to walk with him and to work for him. To work with him and to work with him and for him. We work, we co-laborer with him and we work for him. And then finally, the biggest component of the eternal life that a believer must have is the expectation that Christ is coming back. The expectation that Christ is coming back. We must be eagerly waiting for his return. The day you lose sight of Christ's return, you will be tired of working for him. And when you are tired of working for him, you will not want to work with him. And when you are tired of not wanting to work with him, you will make a, you will make a nonsense of the resurrection power. And the moment you do that, you are going into what is called an apostate. You are declining gradually and, and removing yourself from that which God has already done. May that not be our story in the name of Jesus. So today, living by the resurrection power. You see, the crucifixion of Christ, his death, his burial, put an end to man's death. We saw this a lot on Friday, and uh, our Friday outreach service, I want to thank you for everyone who made it a success, was a, was a very deep time in looking at the process right up to the time he was buried, all the shame he took, all the, all the kind of things he took on the cross, and how they buried him, all the accusations, the false accusations, and the, so many things they said about him, and they crucified him. That crucifixion and his death, when he said it is finished, and the burial, put 
made sure that there, there came an end. When he said it is finished, that was an end. That was the last time. That was the final blow to the enemy to make him no longer have the power to condemn the entire of humanity. Before that time, efforts were being made to atone for the sins of men, whereby they had to go and sacrifice and, and, and kill bulls and goats and rams and so on and, and so forth and offer these sacrifices to keep atoning for the sins, to, to deliver people from that death. But when Jesus came, he took away all that and said, no more, now I have laid down my life. And by my blood, the temple veil is torn. By my blood, everyone now has access to God the Father. As many that will come to him through me, because I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to that Father except by me. And so we know that he put an end to man's suffering and all the consequences of sin. His resurrection, however, is what has given us the basis for our eternal life. When he rose again, he took on, he initiated a process of enjoying eternal life. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. We have been reading 1 Corinthians 13, 15 since the service started. It was quoted earlier on. You would hear it in a couple of places. And we are thanking God. But verse 3 says, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Verse 4 says, And that he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to scriptures. Somebody say he was buried. And he rose again according to the scriptures. This is very important. Every believer must understand this, must believe this, must live by this. This is what our Christianity is all about. This is what separates Christ from everyone else who has ever come before him and who came after, proclaiming that they are saviors. This is the only savior that died, was buried, and rose again in the third day according to the scriptures, not accidentally. The day he was buried, the first day was a Friday. The second day was a Saturday. And this Resurrection Day Sunday, we continue to mark it everywhere all over the world intentionally to keep reminding ourselves that he rose on the third day. He rose on that Sunday. Early Sunday morning, the grave was empty. It was full on Saturday. It was full on Friday night. But early Sunday morning, the Bible says the grave was empty. And every time we come to church on a Sunday, we must be reminding ourselves that this is what we celebrate. Yes, we take out one day in a year to, to mark it in totality and to emphatically describe it. But every Sunday should remind you that he rose again so that you can live again. Hallelujah. Never allow yourself to be convinced otherwise. Now, verse 12. He said, now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Verse 14. Verse 13, thank you. But, verse 13. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Then verse 14 now. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is what? Empty. And your faith is what? Also empty. Somebody say, God forbid. This is the basis why we have faith. 
because he is risen. If he is not risen, all we are standing for to preach and all that we believe is empty. And so every one of us must understand because we have experienced him and we know it is not empty. And we know that truly as God promised to raise him from the dead, so he, it is that he was raised from the dead. 1 John chapter 5, verse 11. He said, and this is the testimony that God has given to us, eternal life. And this life is in his son. It's in Jesus Christ. This is the testimony to us. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Verse 12. He said, he who has this son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. He who has this son leaves the realm of existence and comes into this life. Comes into this abundant life. He who does not have this son only continues to exist. But he is not connected to this life. Jesus Christ, the son of God. The Bible says he who has him has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. Verse 13. He said, these things I have written to you who believe. In the name of the Son of God, that you may know, that you may keep reminding yourself that you have eternal life. That when the enemy tries to tell you that he has control over your life and he has the ability to terminate your life, he has the ability to punish your life, he has the ability to accuse your life. He said, I am saying these things to you that you, because you believe in the name of the Son of God, you must continue to know that you have eternal life. And then you must continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. The continuing is a determination I must make. It's a determination you must make. You must continue to believe. Many people fall by the wayside. We are not glorifying that sad occurrence. But anybody, the Bible says, let him who thinks he stands, let him take heed, lest he falls. You could be in this thing for 40 years and still fall. You could be in this thing for 50 years and still fall. Sadly, you must continue to believe. You wake up every day praying to say, Lord, help me to continue to believe. You must continue praying. Say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. When there is doubt, when I'm shaken, when the wind is boisterous, help my unbelief. And so this morning, we want to concentrate on living by this resurrection power. To know how to tap into this power so that we can continue to believe and we can continue to enjoy eternal life as we ought to. Hallelujah. The first thing the resurrection power does is that it connects us to the immortality of God. It connects us to the immortality of God. You see, we are mortal. That means we are created and we have an end. The Bible says that and so God created man in his own image. But it is appointed unto man. That man wants to die. And after that, the judgment. That point is what translates us to the other side of eternal life. When we receive Jesus Christ, we come into the first phase of eternal life. The first phase of eternal life, we cannot live in our old power. The mistake a lot of believers are making is trying to live the Christian life with sense knowledge and the old ways of doing things, the intellectual ways. Every one of us must understand that there is an immortality of God. The immortality of God is not just about his living forever or not bound by time. The immortality of God is the nature of God. The thing that makes his name unshakable. 
the thing that makes it impossible to destroy him, the thing that makes him be God, we are connected to it when we are subscribed to living by the resurrection power. John chapter 11, this were Jesus' words, verse 23. Jesus said to her, this is Mary, we read this before you heard Pastor Moses read, lead us during the Bible reading, responsive Bible reading. And he said to her, verse 23, he said, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now look at verse 25. Let's read it together. Verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Verse 26. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. There are two things there. Go to back, back to verse 25. Go back to verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Fine. Now look at the next thing he said. He who believes in me, though he may die, though he was on the path to serving the wages of sin, that is death, he shall live. I say he shall live. He who believes in me shall live. He shall be rescued from that grand plan of the wicked one to destroy. He shall live. But he doesn't stop there. Verse 26. Verse 26. And whoever is already in that life must continue to believe in me and then he shall never die. Because you see, as many who are continuing, there is a death that is awaiting them. Everybody is going to live forever. That is, everybody will exist rather forever. But only those who have received Jesus Christ will enjoy everlasting life or eternal life. You either live forever in, in, in pain and sorrow and gnashing of teeth. You either exist forever in that realm or you live forever where there will be no more sorrow, no more sighing. This is what eternal life promises. The believers must understand that that life is promised us as long as we continue to believe. We shall not die but we will live in that life and every one of us must continue to live by the resurrection power to attain it. The immortality of God. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7, 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 17, the Bible says for, uh, for that now, now our king is eternal. Our king is immortal. This eternal God is also immortal. He is the only wise God. And when we receive him into our lives as Lord and Savior, what we embrace is that his immortality. Friends, you know that the immortality of God is working in you when you no longer reason like mere men. It takes over your thinking faculties. It takes over your way of doing things. It takes over your response attitude. It takes over every way that you function in life because it is the God nature. It is very easy for you to forgive. It is very easy for you to love. When people say love is tough, I say, no, you have not got eternal life. When you have truly embraced eternal life, love becomes easy. It costs Jesus nothing to lay down his life for every one of us. If you have truly got that life that he came to offer, you will find it easy to lay down your life for anybody. You will find it easy to love. You will find it easy to forgive. You will find it easy to show mercy. Every one of us must understand the immortality of God is what changes the way we think. It becomes easier for you to believe God. 
when he was in Gethsemane and he said, Lord, if it was possible, let this cup pass over me. He said, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will. That is how simple it would be for you to give up. Don't say the will of God is always so tough. Ah, I don't want to give this money. God says I should give it. Ah, I'm struggling. That is, you are still living in, in carnal life. <laughs> the will of God becomes very easy. The will of God becomes very easy. Say, I don't want to preach to that person because they are so wicked. I don't want them to go to heaven. Ah, <laughs> you say, ah, I've heard it before. <laughs> Somebody said, that man's God, I don't want him to go to heaven. <laughs> God told him that you are not the one who decides <laughs> who comes here or not. <laughs> he said, okay, when I get there, I don't want to see him. He said, okay, be very careful. <laughs> be very careful. <laughs> Hallelujah. The truth is that God is the ultimate judge, but we live like him. We talk like him. We walk like him. It is possible. The more we tap into the resurrection life, all it takes is a continual yielding to the transformation by the renewing of our minds. It's a journey. It's a journey. And you need to be asking yourself, where was I this, this time last year? How easy was it for me to believe God this time last year? Where was I this time last year in forgiving people, in getting along with people? How many people did I find so easy to let go of all that they were trying to do to me this time last year? And how am I faring now? The more you grow in this, the more you find yourself becoming like God. And it is very possible. And you will attain it. We will attain it in Jesus' name. So the resurrection power is not just a power we celebrate on Easter day and say, oh, he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. There is a power with it. That his rising from the dead confers on us as many that received him. He gave us also that same power to be able to live like him, talk like him, think like him. Number two, the resurrection power connects us to the life-giving power of the world. Romans chapter 8 verse 9. He said, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. So let's make the distinction. If you don't have the spirit of Christ, you are not his. Verse 10, verse 10. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of what? Righteousness. And then verse 11, which we all quote a lot. He said, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. I said he connects you to his immortality, but he also gives life to your mortal bodies. Part of how he connects you to his immortality and makes you walk in his immortality is that he gives life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Do you know what it means to have life to your mortal bodies? We always use it only in the terms of sickness and health and divine health. That is just one part of it. But there is a way God can infuse your brain with supernatural knowledge. There is a way God can help your intellectual being to be so quickened that you, you read and assimilate very quickly. You read, you look, read one time and assimilate. The Spirit of God can work that way. You read the Bible, you understand. You read the book, you understand. Because of the so many things I do, I don't usually have time to sit down and, and have one kind of leisure reading like that. Most of my reading has to be quick, on the fly. 15 minutes, I have to absorb at times 200 pages of content. 15 minutes, I have to go through it and get what I need to get from it. Because there is a quickening of your mortal bodies that can take place. It quickens the way that your body is carried on a day-to-day -day basis. I believe in exercise, do exercise. 
But when the Spirit of God quickens your mortal bodies, you can never be unhealthy. You will continually find yourself walking in divine health, strengthened every day, especially as you do the things of God. Hallelujah. Somebody say, it is eternal life now. Don't wait to get to heaven and say, where there will be no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more sighing. I mean, how will you sing that song those days? <laughs> right now, he wants you to enjoy it. <laughs> True, at that side, there will be nothing like that. In fact, it will seem as if we never went through all this because we'll totally be transformed. But you see, right now, he is able to quicken your mortal body. He is able to make you whole. The more we find that our mortal bodies are depending on him, the more we need to tap into the resurrection power. And the Bible says that power is at work in us. Go back to Romans 8.12, Romans 8.11. He said that power is at work according to the spirit who dwells in you. It's not a, it's, you don't have to go and cry on one mountain and say, Lord, give me that power. Lord, give me that power. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. Many people are doing that all over the world today. It's ignorance. Is ignorance. Just tap into that power. All you need to do is to keep making sure that you don't grieve him because the Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So you don't grieve him. You make sure he is taking control of your life. Everything he says to you to do, keep doing. And watch him continue to quicken your motor bodies. Hallelujah. Somebody say, somebody say with me, he gives me power of immortality. Say he gives me power to quicken my motor body. Then number three, we must also understand that the resurrection power gives us grace to be holy. Gives us grace for holiness. You see, we all know that grace is what has helped us to come to the faith. The Bible says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Ephesians 2.8. Verse 9 says, and this is not your doing, but it's a gift of God. So grace is it's very important. It gets us to salvation. But grace also helps us to have a walk of holiness. Galatians 2 from verse 15. He said, we who are Jews by nature are not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing, verse 16, that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even when we believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified, verse 17. But if, verse 17, if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners. If Christ therefore, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. We must not remain in sin so that Christ's death and resurrection will not be made to be in vain. Verse, verse 19, Paul said, For I... If I build again, verse 18, if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Verse 19 says, for I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. Verse 20, we all know verse 20, let's read it together. One, two, go. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Go back again. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Go back one more time. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Ask your neighbor for me. Who is living? Who is living? Is it you? Is it you? Is it Christ? Hallelujah. You need to be asking yourself every day, 
You see, this I, I, I don't behave that way. I don't take that. I can't take that. Somebody needs to understand that they have not been crucified with Christ. When you take delight in talking about how you are living and it is completely contrary to the crucified Christ, then you have not yet been crucified with Christ. You need to assure yourself daily that I have been. It's not that I will be. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. So spit on me. Call me names. Tell me anything. You think I'm the one living? I'm dead. Long time. That man that should have responded to you has died a long time ago. It is Christ that is living in me. It is Christ that lives in me. Hallelujah. He said, and the life which I now live, I live in the flesh by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's shout verse 21 together. Verse 21. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Never set aside the grace of God. You asked for it. He helped you to get saved. Keep walking in the grace of God on a daily basis to help you to stand. It is a journey of intentionality. The Christian race is not a journey of coincidence. Nobody, just like you did not get your degree and qualify to by coincidence. Did you just walk into a university and then you slept there for three years and one day you just woke up, they say you now got the degree. No, you did not. You walked for it and went through the school of learning to become that thing that you, you, you have or whatever qualification you have. I want you to understand this. The Christian race is one that we must continue to set aside. We must continue to set ourselves aside to plug into the grace of God, not setting it aside from us. We're walking in the grace of God consistently. Hallelujah. Every one of us must understand this. If you are yet to know Christ, he is waiting for you. On this Easter day, what a glorious opportunity. What a glorious opportunity. Living by the resurrection power starts with our transformation. Changes us into a new person completely. It doesn't happen immediately. But as you yield, I am a living testimony that as you yield yourself, you find yourself truly changing. And the test of it is that you see yourself in, in doing of your things and reacting and living life very different from how you were. This is God's intention for you. This is called growth. And maturity. You must let the word of you must let the, 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 the grace of God help you in your approach to the things of God, how you value the things of God, how you value the people of God. I am dying consistently to the capacity to hate in any way, shape, or form, even to dislike God's children. I'm killing it as much as is possible. The devil will make it very hard because he knows that they are the people you love the most. You have to let the Holy Spirit help you. Do not set aside the grace of God because righteousness does not come from the law because Christ did not die in vain. Revelations 22, 17. It says, and the spirit and the bride say, come. And the spirit and the bride say, come. Revelations 22, 17. They say, come, and let him who hears say, come, and let him who thirsts, come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Come. The invitation is always there. Jesus said, I stand at the door of your heart, and I'm knocking. 
We always think it's for those who are getting saved for the first time. That is the first step. But do you know that every component of your heart that are rooms, that you have compartmentalized behaviors and attitudes and actions and reactions and things, they are rooms that he's also knocking. He's in your heart. He's in your heart. You are a child of God, but you need to open up more rooms to him. Give him that whole house. Give him that whole house. A, a guest you love, a guest you value, a guest that is part and parcel of you, when they come into your house, they go into any room. Yes, when you, got in, when you invited him for the first time, he came into your living room and you made dinner for him and you enjoyed the, the, the salvation experience, but your bedroom is still shut. Your bedroom is still shut. Your kitchen is not fully accessible to him. Your bathroom is a no-go area because it's so private to you. It represents your pride. It represents your dignity. It represents those things that you, you think that you have, those things that you think make you, that yes, you know, you've allowed him into your living room, but you don't want him to come into that space because it's just too precious to you. Your vault, your bank account, oh, that one is with the barricade. <laughs> barricade. <laughs> Chains. No access at all. No, you've got to leave it for him. Open it all up to him. Like we do when you have a guest for the first time or you have a guest you're just trying to understand. They come into your house. They have places they go. But the more they come, the more they grow closer to you, the more you open up to the point where you actually give them the set of keys to your house that they can go in at any time and do anything at any time. That is the ultimate goal that we ought to get to. After our new birth, we must embrace eternal life like this. Philippians 3, he said, yet indeed, I count, verse 8, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. You had that read again earlier on today. Pastor Ola, read that, please. I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered loss of all things. And I count them as rubbish. What are you holding on to? Count them all as rubbish. Everything we have in this life, it will, it will vanish away will vanish away. What was new, what is new and sparkling today, give it 24 months, it will just look old again. Yesterday we were having a laugh about new cars and so on, and I was telling some of the young people who were near me, I, I said, all the cars, brand new cars now, come with E. They are all electric cars, they come with E, E, E. And I said, now, this is my D or my car, is now feeling like a very old car. <laughs> and the car is about three years old. It now looks so old. <laughs> And I remember the day I drove it out and I was very cool. <laughs> but if I park it near those brand new cars now, it looks like a monument. <laughs> Don't kill yourself in this life. <laughs> Don't kill yourself in this life. He said, count all those things as lost. All those things that you think you are, your degree, your, your, your person, your status, your citizenship. Oh, count them as rubbish and gain Christ. Gain Christ, verse 9, verse 9, verse 9, and be found in him not having my own righteousness, not those things I think should work, which is from the law, but which is through Christ, faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Verse 10, verse 10. One of the scriptures we like quoting so much. I want us to read it very well and mean it this time and keep reading it for the rest of our lives. Let's go together. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. 
that I may know him. Why? Verse 11 says, if by any means, that is the word, those are the words he could use to, to, to qualify what he was chasing. I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. People thought that Paul is saying he wanted to rise up again to live in this world. No, no, no. He's saying that there is a resurrection that is awaiting me. I don't want to miss it. I have done many things for this God, but I don't want to miss that final resurrection. When that trumpet sounds, when graves are open, I don't want to remain on this earth to suffer the punishment that will be unleashed on this earth. I want to be caught up in the air with him. This is why this series, you must not miss any of it. As we know about the resurrection power today and we look at it for the rest of this week, next week we will see how to walk with Jesus consistently in that power. Then we will see how to work with him in a couple of weeks. And then finally we will meditate, God helping us on waiting on the mystery for that his return. It is the lifeblood of our eternal life. We must continue to seek it consistently in the mighty name of Jesus. Friends, I pray that when the trumpet sounds, all the messages of resurrection we, we, we have heard will not count against us in the name of Jesus. There have been so many depictions of people who will be disappointed. Jesus said it. It's not man's fabrication. Jesus said some people will come and say, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We preached in your name. We sang in your name. We did those things in your name. We gave in your name. And he will say, depart from me. You what? Worker of iniquity, for I know you not. And there are many depictions of, at that time, how people will be hearing all the messages they had and the messages they preached and the songs they sang coming back to them. The devil will put a big recorder that will be playing those things back to them, tormenting them with it, telling them, reminding them that they told people that it will be hard. Let us not joke. Who told you that you have a right to see tomorrow? I'm not cursing you. You will live long. You will fulfill destiny. But when you go about like this today, what you're telling me is that you think you have a right to see tomorrow. Humble yourself. Love the Lord. Love God's people. Let God continue to walk in your life. Let God continue to take your life and transform it so that you can attain this resurrection. That is what we are living for. Attaining this resurrection is what it's all about. What is this life if we don't attain it? I pray none of us here will miss it. In the name of Jesus. I say none of us here will miss it. In the name of Jesus. I want to pray for anyone who is under the sound of my voice in the building or online. You want to start this eternal life walk. It is a prayer we make. Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us that we, we make this prayer by faith. And we believe it in our heart and we confess it with our mouth. I want you to know today that as we pray and as you pray, the Lord himself will do in your life the work of transformation that has done in every one of our lives as we have believed. And then we will break bread together and by the grace of God, we will take our offerings and, and, and go on to close the service today. But I want to assure you today, as you make this commitment, your life will never remain the same. Friends, there is more to this life than this world. There is more to this life. It doesn't all end here. And so please make up your mind today that you want to connect to Jesus Christ and join the bandwagon of eternal life. There is an email address we give out. It's info at lifegatecenter.org. You can send us an email from anywhere you are in the world, anywhere, including inside the building now. You will still be required to send the email so that we can pray with you, we can stand with you. 
so that we can trust God with you that as we pray into this year and as we continue in this brand new season of resurrection, that God is going to help you. I want to assure you all that in this covenant season of supernatural overflow, that what God is going to be doing in your life is that he will be causing you to walk in the fullness of his knowledge and God will be helping you to experience a transformation from within, but it will be evident on the outside. And so this is our prayer today. Everybody, please let's pray together. Say it with me, dear Lord Jesus. This prayer is for you if you are giving your life to Jesus or rededicating it, but we are all praying it all the same. Say, I come to you today to make you my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from unrighteousness. From today, I'm born again. I'm set free. I'm made whole. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In the name of Jesus. So shall it be in Jesus' name. I decree with you, my brethren all over the place, that as you live by this resurrection power, God will continue to draw you into his immortality. In the name of Jesus, every time you need a full functioning of the life-giving spirit, it will work from your inside to your outside. In the name of Jesus, the God who has promised you that he will never leave you nor forsake you, the God who has promised you that his grace will continue to be sufficient for you, he will see you through on this life journey. In the name of Jesus, you will not fall by the wayside. You will not fall by the wayside. This communion today, as you will take it in remembrance of Jesus Christ, the emblems of the body of Christ and his blood, the wafer representing the body, the cup representing his blood, may God ratify in every one of our lives, again, all that he has assured in walking with us, in guiding us, in helping us, in quickening our mortal bodies, even until the day of his appearing. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Where, where?